Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know if you saw the sunrise this morning, but I did. And I was, I just happened, I had my coffee, I was about to walk like into my living room and I just happened to look sideways and I just stopped because it was one of the most stunning sunrises I've seen in a very, very long time. Not because I haven't, partially because I haven't seen that many sunrises in a very long time and like gone to look, but uh, I feel like it was one of those that just captivated me in the moment I saw it. I had to just go stand by the window and just say a prayer about like, God, you have made an amazing creation. You know what I mean? It was just one of those that your your heart, if you can stop and see, you, you have a hard time not being moved by it. You know what I'm talking about? So I pray and hope that you can see something soon that's just how beautiful and what God has made to, to lift your hearts and your spirit. Uh, but as we, we start our sermon this morning, why don't we go ahead and just start with a word of prayer. Lord, I, I come to you, we come to you, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus. We give you praise, we give you thanks. Father, we ask that our hearts would be moved. We know that you are here with us this morning. We know that your Spirit is always with us, God. Lord, I pray that we could listen. I pray that we could be moved. I pray that we could see you in a better way today, Jesus. And we could be reminded of the connection to whom we are connected to. We thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice, for your love, for all that you have done. We give praise and thanks to you in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you guys. You know, we've, been, we've had a series, or not the series, the theme for the year is, is connected in Christ. And so we've been talking about how you know, because of Jesus, we are connected to God, we're connected to one another, you know, we get to be connected to Him, and, and how that transforms us, and it changes the church, and, you know, we, we just wrapped up a series about, you know, what does it mean to be the church of Christ, and we could talk about all that connection and what Jesus does, but what I wanted, was hoping to do this morning is actually spend some time talking about to who it is that we are connected with, Right? And we're going to be looking at one of the aspects of Jesus this morning. And, and my hope is to take a look at the joy of Christ. You know, and, and I don't know about you guys, but anybody ever see like the artwork of Jesus? When I mean, people have all of these depictions of him, and most of the time it's uh, Western European, you know, sort of a look of Jesus, right? You have, but but a lot of the the artwork is very sad. You know what I'm talking about? If you think of like, what is the artwork that if I said, think of a piece of artwork of, that looks like of Jesus. You know that maybe you grew up with seeing or some sort of symbol or representation. For me, I grew up with very dreary kind of perspective of it, and and I didn't realize it, but that did so much to cast in my mind how I have always perceived Jesus, you know, especially growing up and, and what sort of person he must have been. He must have just been a, a really sad guy all of the time, like the dreary eyes and, and whatnot. And, and he is depicted as a man of sorrow, but that's not all he was. There's, there's so much more to him. He was a man of great balance and of all kinds of emotion, right? But when I think of the, the artwork that comes to my mind, it's the one like this, you know, something like this, or, 
or something like this, where I just see, like, that, to me, personally, is not like somebody I'm like, I want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, rock on, you know, he's like, oh, you're like what, is this? what is this symbol? Like, I looked at a bunch of artwork, and there's so many, almost, uh, so much like this, and he's holding, right, he's holding the Bible, and he's making this symbol, and, and I didn't look it up, but there's got to be something there. I don't know what that means. Uh, there you go, Ukrainian Orthodox. So, that's what it means in sign language, true. Actually, I think that's this, right? Is it like this? No? Yeah, 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 there you go. So, I don't know, I don't think he's at a rock concert, that's all I'm saying, okay? And, but when I, I realize, you know, this has done so much to paint my view of Jesus, right? To give me this perception that he's more of a, a sorrowful, like you see that depiction, and I grew up with all, all of a focus on the cross all the time. And, and, you know, it's an obligatory nature that needed to, okay, you know, follow this, this sort of dreary guy. Or even as a young, once I actually became a disciple, started reading the Bible more, my perspective changed to like this intense Jesus who just walks around and he, you know, I'd read the Bible and he's the one that's like flipping tables and... I mean, I just felt like there's this sense of intensity that's there, and there absolutely is. And I don't know if that's me projecting like what I want to see in part, but I think that that's true. He is that. But what I didn't often see was the spirit of joy that Jesus had. The type of joyful person he was, you know. And when we look at scriptures, though, one of the things we see is that he is a man full of the Holy Spirit. And one of the one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. I mean, to be full of the Spirit means to be full of joy. And He was one who, who was more in touch than we will ever be and we will hopefully strive to be, but He just was, He could connect. And, and I pray to be able to be like that as well. But, so what I want to do is I want to look at this Jesus, right? Kind of this, this one, the one where you're like, okay, People who laugh and you're like, I want to hang out with that guy. I want to spend some time with him. And we can, we can get a chance to kind of look at that and even talk about what made Jesus joyful. And if you've got a Bible, turn over to Luke 10. Turn over to Luke 10 this morning. Head over that way. Now, joy, as I said, it is a fruit of the Spirit. And it comes from a place of really deep faith and trust in God. You know, in the scriptures, we actually see that it's, it's an e- we see eternal promises and truths, truths to Christians about how they can, how we can hold through the most difficult circumstances to truth when we hold to God. You know, it's when we, when we hold to that faith, when we hold to this hope, we, we hold to this trust in God, it does result in hope and joy. But having joy like Christ does not mean feeling happy or positive all of the time. Okay? So, so joy, don't, don't confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is a fleeting momentary thing. Joy is something that's much deeper. And when we see in scriptures that, that Jesus, he wept. He got angry, right? He got frustrated. There was points he was overwhelmed with sorrow. 
And so to say that he felt all these other emotions, emotions did, did that suddenly mean he wasn't as well like a, a person in touch with the Spirit or, or anything like that? I say this only because sometimes we can interpret, if I'm not joyful or happy heart all the time, that I'm just not being a good Christian. And that's just not true. Jesus experienced an, a whole myriad of emotions. Amen? You know, as well, I, I do want to recognize that there can be real trauma or mental health issues that can make it much more difficult to access the mindset of joy. So, I want to encourage anyone who, who's regularly finding that this is a challenge to, to actually look into seeing a professional yourself. There's nothing wrong with that in being a Christian and seeking help in those areas. I just don't want you to feel like you have to be pigeonholed that something is wrong or you're a bad Christian if you need to get that. That's a good thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. But let's, uh, let's look at this here in Luke 10 and, and take a look at what was Jesus so excited? What was he joyful about? Look in your Bibles in, in verse 21. It says this. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows what who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see and and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You know, and, and for me, I think it's, I read that passage, and first off, it says he's full of joy. And there's an excitement that he has in, in talking about the kingdom of God. Talking about who he is, and what he's there for, and what's going on. And he is just so excited. And to understand that, like, we're reading that going, huh? You know, it, it, initially when I read that, I go, that's an interesting thing. Uh, okay. But you got to understand in the context of where these these people hearing the word of God. They've been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years. They've, they've heard these prophecies about the Messiah and, and what would be coming. And they've been waiting in expectation. And there's kings who've been looking through the scriptures and prophets who've been praying and wanting to understand, God, when is this going to happen? You know, hard times, good times. All of these times they're waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking, surely He's going to come now and nothing happens. And yet, now is the moment where it's like you get to reveal... I mean, think of what it's like to reveal the surprise party. Right? Or to, to hold in a secret that you've been waiting to share with somebody and, and you just you want to tell them about it, you want to tell them about it, but you can't tell them about it yet. And then, okay, now is the time. Now you, keeping all of that pent up, you're going to be feeling so much emotion and, and these people are waiting and waiting and waiting and so... Jesus is saying, this is what I get to share. It's amazing. What you get to hear, it's amazing. You are blessed. Like, he is so excited to be talking about the kingdom of God. And to be pouring that out and, and sharing that with people who've been 
They've been waiting all of their lives, some of them, and, and they've been waiting generations upon generations upon generations to hear this news. You know, and, and I think that because it's not... Many of us and some of us grew up with the idea of, yeah, Jesus came and Savior of the world and the Messiah. Do you guys hear what I mean? It's, it's not new to us. It's good news, but it, it can also not feel new. And yet here is Jesus... And, but what I know is, when I studied the Bible, I grew up in a Christian faith, in a Christian tradition. And, but when I really began to understand all of what God has done for me, it gets me excited. And there's times where I kind of can forget and study my Bible and, and read it. And then when I like really get into it, I begin to see, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I, I get back to what is the good news of Jesus? I am just excited personally. But I don't walk around that way all the time. What about you? Right? And I think for me, it's, it's wanting to make sure that I'm there. And that's why I shared even recently. I said, I read a whole bunch of Acts, you know, uh, what was it, in my preparation for last week's sermon. And it had been a while since I'd read so much of it. And to see the joy of the church as they did all of these incredible things as they went out and told people about the good news of Jesus... And I read that and I was just pumped. I hadn't read that much of, of a single you know, book of Acts in a long time. Of the single book of Acts in a long time. I'd spent hours over, going over a scripture, but I hadn't spent hours just reading like that in a while. You know, but by doing it, I just was inspired again by the news that Jesus is has bringing the news that the disciples brought. You guys with me? I mean, these are the things that got Jesus excited. This is the, the stuff that had people like rejoicing as the early Christians, like running out in the streets, and if you talk about that, we're going to kill you. And they're like, I, I can't keep this quiet. And they just keep talking about it, and people are filled with joy. And certainly there were those who were scared, and understandably so. But here's Jesus talking about all this, and he's amazed by it. You know, I look at this passage and, and there's a parallel scripture to this and I, I wanted to take a look at it as well though. Because this sense of joy, there was more to this sermon and, to this, and, and Matthew records it in his gospel. And I want to look at it really quickly. Uh, in Matthew 11, I'm going to flip there. I'll read it off the screen. It says, At this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the, the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, Jesus is, is here, and, and this was the a second part of this message, but he's, he's bringing this message of rest for the weary, for the, the people who have just been beaten down by life. And often it was the, the, the impoverished or the, those who were hard set and were experiencing hard times who were the most eager for Jesus. 
And it was those who had the most wealth and had the most who were a little less excited. If you know the Bible, uh, they were, some of them were just downright in opposition to Jesus. But for, for him, he's bringing this news and says, Hey, I am bringing the words of God and it's supposed to be a relief to you. You know, and when you can get your burdens off of your chest, that's when you can find so much more joy, is it not? Yeah. Right? I mean, when you're overwhelmed with anxiety and your frustrations and, and all of that, are you, aren't you feeling, I mean, are you feeling the joy of Christ when your boss is like over you at work or like totally on you? When, when you're bumping heads with your spouse? I mean, it's it's kind of hard to feel the joy of Jesus when all of those things are going on. And when we burden ourselves with worries and woes and things that we shouldn't, and Jesus is saying, hey, come to me, lay down your burdens, take my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, here he is, and, and I think of how much of an excitement and an honor it would be for Jesus to be able to do that and, and to just show up and say, I'm here, guys, I'm ready, like, I want to bring this relief. Just give it to me. Like, come on, I want to help you. And I don't know about you, if you ever help somebody who's in a hard time, don't you, I mean, you feel good. Do you not? I mean, often when you're there to offer relief and you're compassionate, there is a joy that comes and wells up within you. And I think that's what we see in Jesus when He got to offer this to people. But... I don't always, and I haven't always heard Jesus as kind of the guy who's, who's the joyful one. When I grew up, I thought of him more as like Eeyore. You know, Winnie the Pooh's Eeyore. He's like, okay, I guess I'll go over here now. Give me your burdens. You know, do you get what I'm saying? But that's not Jesus. I think he's that eager, he's excited, he wants to help and offer that relief, and there's joy that comes with it. And I think that same joy can be ours when we emulate His walk and His faith and His love and His compassion. And so many of these things can be ours as well. And we can follow His example. You know? But who is your Jesus? Who do you see and who do you hear? Is He joyful? Or is He always weary? You know, okay, I guess. You, you get what I'm saying there? And we've got to make sure that when we think of who we get to connect to, that this is an awe-inspiring man. An awe-inspiring divine man who, who he loves immensely. His, his way has radically changed the world. Yes, there's times where he's filled with sorrow, and we, we can, we're going to talk about that, but he is a man filled with joy as well. Amen? Amen. You know... I think, of, um, I think of this scripture as well in, in Matthew 11. So if you're there, you don't need to go anywhere. Matthew eleven sixteen through 19. It says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, To what can I compare this generation? It says, They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling out to, to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, He has a demon. 
And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. You know, and, and in this scripture, I, I love this because here Jesus is, he's being pretty serious. And, and the follow-up to this section is he gets into like the woes, like woe to you, Pharisees. And he like goes through all these woes about all the bad things that are coming their way. So he's pretty serious in this scripture. But what I also see is he's making an illustration of, hey, here's what you see in me. All right? And here's what you see in John. And he talks about John. He's talking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would wear like these camel-haired clothes and he was eating like bugs in the desert and all of this stuff. I mean, he was kind of out there, John. All right? And Monica's making a face about it. Hey, you know, they have those new cricket chips in the grocery store if you check it out. Uh, I know, that sounds exciting. But uh, you think about it, like, there's John, and he was a prophet sent by God, and really, like, got away from all the fleshly things and the temptations, and he's preaching the Word and preaching fire out there. And then, what did the people say? Some of them loved him. They rushed out to follow him. And then some of the, the Pharisees, they're like, that guy's got a demon. He's crazy, you know, and, and slandering him. And then Jesus shows up. And what does Jesus do? Jesus, he doesn't go far away, I mean, unless he's going to pray and spend time with God. No, he's in there with the people. And he's, he is, he's getting into people's homes. He's at weddings. I mean, literally, he's turning like giant jars into huge vats of wine. Alright? For a party where everybody already drank all the wine, Jesus then made a whole lot more wine. Okay? Then you, you have him in just in homes and in feasts and people are there and, I mean, they're like running to him to want to be around him. Right? And, and what do the, the Pharisees say about him? They're like, oh, he's a glutton. He's a drunkard. Like, all he does is eat and he drinks. Now, personally, I mean, what they tend to do is they're just twisting the truth. They're twisting the representation of, of Jesus to make him out to something he's not. You know who else does a really good job of that? Peter mentioned it. Satan does. You know, it, it, you know Satan will tell you, oh, no, God will forgive you, right? And then you come back and want to be forgiven and, and Satan's going... He'll never forgive you for that, right? I mean, that's what Peter was talking about. Here, Pharisees are like, no, no, that guy, he seems way too crazy righteous. No, that guy, he seems he's a total drunkard and, you know, don't want to hang out with him. And I, I get the sense that Jesus, people wanted to be around him. People wanted to be in his presence. A man full of joy and compassion and love. He, was, he would be the kind of person that I would want to get a beer with. Right? The, the, the person that you want to go and you want to have some fun and, and spend time with. And, and it wasn't anything like... There was a lot of pictures of Jesus that like some of them, they made him really good looking. And yet, the scriptures tell us there was nothing to attract us to him. So, I tried to not find like a really good looking picture of Jesus. Because uh, I just felt like, that's not fair. You know, we naturally are, are as human beings... You want to follow attractive people. And it says there was nothing to attract us to him. I think what it was is he was just one of those people you just love to be around. Like, you just, he made you laugh. He made you cry. He made you feel heard and loved and compassionate. I mean, that was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? How do you see Jesus? And so, 
I, I just look at what they had to say about him and how they chose to insult him. It tells me that there was probably an element, you know, when you think of what, is a, what does a drunkard look like? They're usually loud and they talk a lot or they laugh a lot. I mean, and some of them, you know, go the other direction, right? But like, you get the jolly kind of drunk mentality. And, and I, I bet that that's a lot of what they saw. Is a, is a man who was full of mirth and good cheer. And yet, we know that there, he was, again, also a man of sorrow and trials. And I share that to go, look, again, he was a man of balance. You look at John 11, 32 through 36, right? You can write that one down because it's not going to be up here. But you look at, at that scripture, that's when he goes to see Lazarus, who has died. And he gets there and he gets to the wake and they come out and they're, they're in tears and they're crying and they're, they're mourning and he sees them and he loves them. And then it says Jesus wept. Right? And he was, he was certainly someone who could feel and cry. He, he could feel these emotions. Right? And then you look at the next, you look at another time in Luke 9, verse 41. You see that he goes up to Jerusalem and he sees the city of Jerusalem and he just weeps for it. He cries because he's like, I want you to be saved. And I know that you won't be. You won't listen. And and he just, his aching love. And it just, he says he wept for the city. You know, and and I share that to go, he's a man of, of so many things. But do you see him as a man of joy? How do you see Jesus? And so I guess I ask the question, what do we do with, with this? All right? What do we do uh, with this view of Jesus? Turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 3. Are you guys with me? I think it's, it's good for me to take time sometimes to reflect and, and go back and look at the heart of Christ. But in 2 Corinthians 3... What I can do is I can get into all the things I need to do rather than just reflect on, hey, who is my Lord? What's He like? Can I just connect with Him? And and so, it's good for me. I'm hoping it's good for you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know, when we think about the the fact that when when we became Christians, right, we received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is transforming us. It is, cha- it is changing us and making us new. And when we, when we follow that Spirit and we obey and live by the Spirit rather than the flesh, right, we're going to be more and more to be transformed to be like Christ. And one of the fruits of that is joy. You know, this transformation, it's part of what brings glory to God as we become more like Christ. And we see that our character... And our characteristics can grow and develop into being more like Jesus. 
When we, when we focus on obeying the Spirit of God that Jesus has put into you. you know, I, I just ask you are, you, are you working on trying to silence the noise of this world so that you can hear the Spirit of God? Right? And, and are, you, are you trying to put aside the distractions that are there? It's a challenge. Let's just be real. It could be a challenge to do that. Whether or not you, it's, it's your thing is to spend hours watching Netflix or that you're so overwhelmed by the worries and woes and challenges of your life, that takes a consistent effort to get on your knees and go to Jesus in prayer. And to go, all right, you told me to cast my anxieties and burdens on you. And, and trying to get that out of the way so that you can hear the Spirit of God. Here's with me. It takes a, a concerted effort sometimes to get to that place. And so practically, what do we do? Well, there are so many, there are a number of things that we can do to counter kind of the things that want to steal our joy, right? And so I want to hit a few of them, right? And so here, I, I put it through a, a couple up there. They're just some real, like, joy busters, if you want to call them. The things that kind of kill your joy, your kill joys, right? Uh, you know, one of them is anxiety. If we get overwhelmed with anxiety. But you look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You know, I think that that's one of the ways we take on the yoke of Jesus. The work of Christ is to go and, and believe in Him and cast our anxieties on Him. You with me? Rather than us carrying around all of our stuff, He's saying, hey, you take yours off. Alright, take mine on and I'll take yours. You with me? Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of our goal. Is we've got to literally, like, I, I've had times where I pray and I'm like, all right, God, I said Jesus is Lord. I, that means I gave my whole life to you. That means I gave all of my problems to you, too. All right? So these are your problems. Can you figure them out, please? Like, I need you to fix them. You can tell me what to do, but, like, they're your problem now. And can you help me out here? You know, and I try to like listen, and, and that that takes a number of conversations sometimes. But it it helps me when I remember that when I gave my life to Christ, I gave every part of my life, right? And for some reason, I hang on to the baggage, like like I love it or something, and I really hate it. But I, I want to let go of it, you know. And and I think that's one of the things that we've got to just cast it off and give it to Christ. You know, like Jesus, we need to take a heavenly perspective. Right? In 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18, it says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, anybody ever felt like, my woes, my challenges are so overwhelming and I'm just angry with God because I'm dealing with them. I felt that way, anybody? Yeah, I, I think the reality is, is most of us would say, yes, I felt that. And when you look at these Christians, we're going, okay, well, they're actually, some of them are being murdered. All right? They're losing their home. They're losing their properties. They're, I mean, there's, there's so much that's happening to them. And that's not to diminish that what you're experiencing is not a very real emotion. Okay? And not a very real experience. I'm just saying, like, some of you have experienced harder times than I have. And I, don't, I, I hope that when I get 
I don't necessarily hope that I have to go through all the things that some of you have gone through, but I hope that my faith would be ready when I get there. But I, it's not likely I will have to face what these guys faced. And yet Paul writes, he says, our light and the momentary troubles. Do you get what I mean? And how does he have that perspective? He takes a heavenly perspective. Right? Jesus took a heavenly perspective. And so when we, we look at it though, and the last thing is, you know, we've got to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God. Listening and obeying the Spirit rather than our flesh. And, and read Galatians five sixteen through 23. I'd encourage you, go and check it out. But when we listen to the Spirit of God, that's where we find the fruit of the Spirit. And we, we feel it produced in our life. Not when we pursue fruit, but when we pursue the Spirit. You with me? And so, I just want to encourage us, as we strive to trust and be transformed by the Spirit of God, we're going to find ourselves as a community inspired by Jesus, ready to, to light up the world, to help other people, to serve. And when we're in times of trials and, and tribulations, we're going to find strengthening in Christ. But when we have the character, when we get there, we can be like Jesus and be the church that I know that God calls us to be. We can find joy and faith and be the love that the world needs. Amen. Amen.